Is that not what our world needs to hear and to know today? More, more about Jesus. And who's going to share that if not us, if not his church, if not his people? What a blessing it is to gather together today in the midst of a troubled world with God's people, the church, to be able to enjoy that fellowship with each other, to see lots of guests and uh, family members and others who are visiting with us today, to welcome our online worshipers as well. And what a blessing to go to our Father for the sake of His world. We uh, are excited about the special contribution today. We are helping the Ukraine relief efforts through Eastern European Mission, uh, that wonderful ministry and organization that our church has supported financially and through prayers and other means for such a very long time. And uh, they have a, a, a fund that they use to provide Bibles, and we support that. But they also now have a fund that they are using to support relief efforts for Ukraine. And it's that contribution uh, that it is that fund where our contribution today will go. Uh, we will have much, much more than our weekly financial need that we will um, be able to share. And so I hope that you have participated in that. If you haven't yet, then feel free to go to our website, uh, westerwin.com, and get on the page that uh, allows you to give. Uh, our online uh, worshipers are welcome to do that as well. The money that will be added up and all put together, and we'll be hearing in the next few days uh, what that total uh, will be. But what a great blessing uh, to have been blessed, as Galen shared, in order to be able to give. Um, it is a difficult time, and this evening at 5 p.m., we'll have a Zoom class that Donnie Carnathan will be leading. Details of that are in the bulletin and on our app, and also, um, I'll be sharing a, a class in the chapel directly behind the foyer at 5 p.m. And this evening, I thought it would be a good idea for us to share some of those psalms of uh, cursing, where psalmists curse their enemies and literally pray for bad things to happen to them. And those are difficult words to hear, but they come from hearts that are troubled and oppressed and are calling upon God to act. And so we'll be looking at some of those tonight, such as Psalms 69 and 109 and 137 um, and 140. Um, today is a, it's just a, it's just a difficult time, but in the midst of difficult times, that's when God's grace and God's hope is seen in a much fuller way. In the darkest of times is when the light of Jesus Christ can be seen. And so today we celebrate that light and we celebrate that Lord and we celebrate that God. So we sang in our class this morning and sing every Sunday as Tom leads us, what a mighty God we serve. And we still believe that and we still know that he is at work in his world and we trust him. We trust him. In fact, that's who else can we trust? <laughs> Only God. Only Jesus Christ. And it's during the most difficult of times, I believe, when faith is really faith. Anyone can believe, anyone can trust God when things are going well and everything is as it should be. But it's during those times when things are the hardest, when things are difficult, when things aren't what they should be, 
that faith is really faith and trust is really trust and hope is really hope. We have all of those. We have faith. We have trust. We have hope because we have Jesus. And we know as we have sung today, Jesus is Lord. We believe that. Today, as we continue this series on the real Jesus, I want us to share a few thoughts about the balanced Jesus. You see, the real Jesus is the balanced Jesus. The extremist Jesus is an imposter Jesus. The real Jesus is the balanced Jesus. And don't we need balance in our lives today? This week marks uh, almost two years to the day that we went on lockdown, really, all over the country. And for five weeks, for five Sundays, our church services were online only. (laughs) You remember that, right? In 2020. Uh, Started around the middle uh, of March and went till Mother's Day, May 10th of 2020. Was our first Sunday back with a live group like we have here today, although much less (laughs) in 2020. We have built back up. We've seen it go down. We're building it back up again. And as our shepherds shared earlier in our service today, we want everyone that can to come back. You need to come back. We need you to come back. And what a blessing it is to be back, to experience those wonderful things such as small groups and Bible classes, um, activities like Caring Kitchen tomorrow night. There are so many things that we participate in and that We are so blessed and thankful to be able to do, again, let's take advantage of it and let's be involved. These past two years of pandemic have called on us to have a balanced approach. And our elders, our shepherds have done everything in the world that they can to see us through and to lead us through this time, to rely upon God and his word and his will and his Holy Spirit to try to do the things that need to be done and are right to be done and to put some things on hold that weren't quite as urgent and weren't quite appropriate at the time. Now we're thankful to be opening almost everything up and what a blessing that is. That's balance. That's balance. We see the situation in Europe and we see the horrible, horrible things that are being done to Ukraine by the leaders of Russia. And we ask God to act and we ask God to bring justice and we ask God to bring safety and to bring peace. And we pray for God's will to be done. And so we recognize that there's a lot of things at work. There are forces of good and forces of evil, and there are leaders of all kinds of different countries that have all kinds of effects based on decisions that are made, and we pray that God will act, and we pray that his will would be done. You know, balance was a word that Brother Ira North wrote a book about. I don't know, some of you might remember Brother North. He was the great preacher from the Madison Church of Christ in Tennessee for years, the largest congregation of churches of Christ in the country. Um, such, a, such an incredible, incredible preacher and person, very, very outgoing, very devoted to God's word. And he wrote a book entitled Balance, Balance. 
And sometimes we forget that the real Jesus is the balanced Jesus, and he calls on us to be balanced as well. He calls on the church to be balanced as well. Speaking of those great chapters in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12 and in other places, the church is called to be balanced, and our multitude of gifts bring that out. That we're involved in all kinds of ministries and everyone can find one that, that suits them, that fits them, that they're interested in and that they're gifted in because we have needs in all of those areas. Balance. The extremist Jesus is an imposter Jesus. And we forget sometimes that we are one body but many members We forget sometimes that not everybody is just like me. You see, if everyone was just like Bill, what a great and wonderful church this would be. (laughs) Well, that's what we think, don't we? And what a tiny, tiny focus and ministry this church would have if everyone was just like Bill. Or if everyone was just like any one of us. Balance. The real Jesus is the balanced Jesus. The extremist Jesus is an imposter Jesus. Research shows that younger adults soundly reject the extremism and polarization they see in our communities and our nation today. And yes, even in our churches. And you know what? I agree. I agree. All the statistics show that young adults, teenagers, as they grow up and as they mature and as they see the world around them, they reject extremism. They reject polarization. They reject that thinking that unless you believe exactly like I believe, we have no relationship whatsoever. Our younger adults hate that and they reject it. And if that's the attitude that the church has, if that's the attitude that a political leader might have, then they're going to reject them too. Last week's sermon, the present Jesus reminded us that Jesus is with us all the time, that he is never away from us, that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. And so today, as we look at the balanced Jesus and we call ourselves to see the balance that was in Jesus' life, the balance that God showed in in delivering his word to his people, to his world, we are called upon to have that same balance today. That in spite of how strongly we feel about one particular aspect of Scripture that we don't shed all the rest of Scripture for that one. The real Jesus is the balanced Jesus. Perhaps that's best seen in this passage in John chapter 8. In John chapter 8. And yes, you have notes in your Bible, and I know that there, are, there is a skeptical manuscript evidence about this, and there are questions. There are people who are a lot smarter than I am who have no life that study these kinds of things. <laughs> and I'm glad they do. I'm glad they do. And I want us to be confident that what's in our Bible is what's supposed to be in our Bible. 
And so you can chase down all the pros and cons of whether this was originally in John's version of his gospel. But I can tell you this, that all the scholars will agree on one thing, that this is an event that actually happened. And as we read it, we know that it is just like Jesus. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 2. At dawn, Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law, the scribes, and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So there's no question as to whether she's guilty or not. She was caught. And the way the narrative reads, they dragged her right out of bed and threw her down at Jesus' feet. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. As if we didn't know, right? (laughs) Their concern wasn't for the law. Their concern wasn't for morality. Their concern certainly wasn't for this woman. Their concern was only to trap Jesus. You thought gotcha began with the Twitter generation. Not so. (laughs) The gotcha questions were right there with Jesus. We'll see another one in just a little bit. What do you do? The law says stoner. And it doesn't say in the verses, but I think the next verse would have been something like, you say we should be accepting and forgiving and offer grace and mercy and blah, blah, blah. Which is it going to be, Jesus? Forcing him to choose one or the other, or so they thought. And you see, that's what Satan does to us. He tries to convince us that we have to choose one or the other of all of the things that we're going to talk about today. And in this particular story, that we have to choose between the law and obedience and grace, and mercy, and forgiveness. What is Jesus going to do? And so in the middle of verse 6, but Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote, on the ground. And don't you know those words just hung there for a while? <laughs> they thought they had him. They thought they could force him to choose between the law and obedience and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Which one is it going to be, Jesus? And they knew that if he would only choose one or the other, they had him. It didn't matter which one. They could attack him either way. And so Jesus stoops down. And I imagine it's just like that setting in Luke 4 when he was at his hometown of Nazareth. And, and he preached, the, the, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. And he preached from Isaiah 61. And he read that great passage. And then he sat down and Matthew records, or Luke records, every eye was on him. I think every eye was on him now. He stooped down and he... Maybe scribbled, maybe doodled, maybe drew, I don't know. And then he said, whoever is without sin can throw the first stone. 
And then he went back to scribbling. Verse 9, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Because the older ones knew what Jesus just said meant no one was getting stoned today. But it also meant that there would be no disregard to the law of God today either. And so they left. Until finally it was just Jesus and this woman. Verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And for many people, that's where their understanding and memory of this story stops. (laughs) But it doesn't. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Go your way and sin no more. Why? Because God takes the law and obedience and sinfulness seriously. Just as seriously as he takes mercy and grace and forgiveness. If it were not so, then Jesus would not have had to die. Well, let's look at a few interesting things that we have to balance in our lives that Jesus showed us how to do. First of all, grace and truth. Grace and truth. In John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18, is this great passage where John introduces us to Jesus. And he describes him this way, that he was full of grace and truth. Not full of grace, not full of truth, but full of grace and truth. And he talks about the law and what was revealed through the law. And he says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth come through Jesus. Both balance. Grace and truth, not one or the other, but both. And that's why, as Galen shared so beautifully... That's why we see those three crosses. That's why we see the Son of God in the middle one. That's why those nails were nailed in. That's why that crown of thorns was put upon his head, forced upon his head. That's why he gave his life. Because he firmly believed in grace and truth. And if I had not been a sinner, then it wouldn't have mattered. We would have been fine. With just truth. But because we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as Romans 3 says, Romans 3 also says, and all come to know that righteousness of God that is by faith, grace, and truth. And so we speak the truth, but we speak it in love. And we grow in grace and knowledge, not one or the other. And we don't just speak the truth, and we don't just speak with grace, but we speak the truth in grace and love. Grace and truth. Secondly, mercy and law. Mercy and law. This passage I referred to a moment ago in Matthew 23, this is when they're asking Jesus all the gotcha questions. And finally, Jesus begins to pronounce woe upon woe on them. (laughs) 
And listen to what he says in Matthew 23, verses 23 and 24. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. And I want you to think to yourself and ask yourself this question, which of those verses do I like? What part of what Jesus says do I want to get behind and say, make sure you read this part, Bill? Because we all have it. And it might be that part that says, hey, you need to not neglect the former. Jesus talks about all of those things, going ahead with the tedious law keeping of the spices and all the other aspects of the law of Moses. But then he talks about justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And he says you need to keep those without neglecting the others. And some of us want to emphasize that without neglecting the others. And that's okay. Jesus said that. Why? Because it's mercy and law, not one or the other. But if that's what we get out of those two verses, then we're missing his point. Because though he says do both, he talks about weightier matters, matters of more importance. And he also talks about gnats and camels. Now, I know there's all kinds of uh, stuff written about what, what exactly does he mean by that. I think, I think he had a smile on his face as he talked about this gnat and camel. And I think that's what we understand. How silly it would be to strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. But that's what some were doing. And so let me ask you the question, what was the gnat And what was the camel? Yes, he tells us to do both. But he also says that part of it is more important, the most important. And he also says that comparing the two is like a gnat and a camel. You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. You should have practiced them without neglecting the others. You've strained out a gnat, but swallowed a camel. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. Which is it? Mercy or law? Well, it's both. It's keeping them in balance, but it's both. Grace and truth. Mercy and law. Thirdly, faith and works. Faith and works. And I think there's a great example of this seen in Acts chapter 6. In Acts chapter 6, there's this situation. The church is really, really new, and Satan is trying to figure out the best way to destroy it before it gets going really hard. And so he says, I know what, I know what the best thing to do is to divide it from within. To get people thinking that the leaders of the church are not taking care of me and mine. And that's exactly what this is all about. And they had a point. And so some of the early believers in Jerusalem 
some who had uh, perhaps a Greek-speaking background, they were more Hellenized, the, the uh, uh, traditions and culture that Alexander the Great brought and that held on through the Roman Empire. Some of them were, were Jews, but they had that background in their culture, and, they, and their widows were being neglected, and it wasn't right. And they went to the apostles and elders, and they complained. <laughs> Another thing that didn't start just in the last, you know, 100 years or so. You need to do something. But Scripture tells us in verse 2, the 12 apostles gathered all the disciples together and they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Faith and works. Yes, this is a very pressing need. Yes, it needs to get done. Yes, it's wrong for them to be neglected. We're not the ones to do it. But it needs to be done. We are devoting ourselves to prayer, to the ministry of the word. And that's a good thing. And someone needs to be devoted to taking care of this need. And that's also a good thing. You see, for all of us individually, it's faith and works. It's not one or the other. It's balance. It's balance. And so they choose seven men. (laughs) Perhaps the first deacons, the word isn't used there, sounds like it. And they have them do this. And two of those men become two of the great leaders in the church. Probably all of them, but two for sure. Philip, who is known as an evangelist, and Stephen, who was the first one killed for his faith. That's how important the work was for them. These were spiritual men, faith and works. We see it in the story of Mary and Martha that we looked at before where they both had important things to do. Scripture and action. As was said earlier, faith and works. It's not right for those leaders to get away from what they're called to do, but it's also not right that needs go unmet. Balance, grace and truth, mercy and law, faith and works. So how do we live a faithful, balanced life in light of this? What does that look like for us? Chances are in each of these contrasts, you're better at one over the other. You might think that the apostles and elders are the good guys and the others, and and others may feel differently. One more perhaps suits your personality over the other. Maybe you're committed to living out one more so than the other. You see, one maybe is... As more important than the other. You don't think we work hard enough. And do more stuff. You don't think we study the Bible enough. Pray enough. Who's right? Well both obviously. But it may be that in your own personal life. There's one of those that you need to work on harder. And it's probably the one that you like the least. 
And so find the ones that aren't just exactly like you and pray for them. Not that they'll become more like you. (laughs) Pray that God will bless them for what they are doing. And that others will be like that. Work on the other one. Whichever one you're best at, work on the other one. Whichever one you're most interested in, work on the other one. Whichever one you think is the gnat versus the camel, work on the other one. (laughs) And so a few things before we close. First of all, acknowledge our salvation by grace and live according to God's truth. This is not an either or. We are called to do both. Acknowledge that our salvation is completely by grace and yet we live according to God's truth. Secondly, grant extreme mercy toward others while practicing extreme obedience to the word of God. And I got to tell you, I was uncomfortable preparing this sermon. I'm uncomfortable sharing it. Why? Because I want to be extreme about some things. And so this one gives us permission to do that. Grant extreme mercy toward others while practicing extreme obedience toward the word of God. Probably easier, again, for you to focus on one of those and not the other. So grant that extreme mercy to where it doesn't make sense. Because that's what Jesus did for you. But also practice extreme obedience to God's word. Just as surely as you grant mercy and forgiveness, you hold yourself accountable to being obedient. Those are not mutually exclusive. And then thirdly, joyfully celebrate our righteousness that comes by faith as we just as joyfully work each day to spread the gospel of Christ. Now, what word is repeated in that sentence? Say it out loud. What word? Joyfully. Joyfully. Wait, we're supposed to be happy doing this? Well, yeah. Yeah. You think your friends or neighbors or family members are going to want to be a part of a church where you're miserable because you're doing one of these two things? You're miserable because salvation comes by faith and you don't get it based on your works and you got a lot of works, so you don't like that. Or you're, you're miserable because you have to work. Here's the thing. We joyfully give ourselves to both of those. Joyfully celebrate our righteousness that comes by faith. Aren't we all thankful and joyful because of that? And just as joyfully work each day to spread the gospel of Christ. Balance. Both and. Not either or. Both and. Grace and truth. Mercy and law. Faith and Works. We are standing on the promises. We joyfully proclaim that Jesus is Lord. We are trusting in Jesus and obeying his word. Today, if we can help you do those things, come as we stand and sing together.